Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Father, we pray now that everything said and done will be to your glory and to the upbuilding of your kingdom. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So I have a real good joke, so I've got a couple of little shorties. Y'all can laugh or not laugh, I don't care. So um, this guy was in the shoe store, was trying on his shoes, and he said, the shoe is too tight. And the little lady said, try it with the tongue out. It doesn't help, it helps it tight. <clears throat> That's number one. Wait a minute, there's three. There are three terrible little jokes. It'll be okay. Number two, a guy walks into the pharmacy and asks for some antidepressants. And the, and the pharmacist says, you actually have to have a prescription. And he said, but I have this. And he said, yes, sir, your marriage certificate does not count. <clears throat> That's two. <laughs> like I said, you don't have to laugh. It's all good. Number three, no matter how good the hand soap is, do not come out of the bathroom smelling your fingers. It's a tough week on the joke front. Um, I've been fighting the crud all week. This is as good as I've sounded in a couple of days, so if you think I sound bad now, you should have talked to me Thursday. I wasn't sure Thursday. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is healing. And we, we, we have a lot of, I, I, I fall into the same rut that we preach that faith comes by hearing and hearing about the word of God. And then we say that you should have the faith to move mountains. And, and, but we don't actually talk about the healing part, right? Do you, do you all know, I don't know if you know or not, but in the New Testament, people who were specifically named whether they were not name named, not Fred and Bill and George, but people who were, you know, the lady with the issue of blood, those people. There were 35 people specifically named in the New Testament that Jesus healed. We're not going to read all 35, but we're going to go through a bunch of them, okay? Because if you want to know what faith sounds like, if it's faith that the light switch is going to come on, you would like to see me turn the light switch on and off, or you would like to hear stories of the light switch coming on and off. But if it's faith to be healed, then maybe we should hear about the folks that got healed. So there, I tried to, as much as possible, that they're in chronological order. Now, I think as I was putting it together this morning, I think there's one that's not, but it worked better in my favor for it not to be. But they're in chronological order. So we're going to start, and it's going to be a bunch of me reading, but it's going to be a bunch of examples of the people that Jesus healed. Because I, I know we, we learned them, well... Some of us learned them in, in little people's church. We went through all of those stories. But, but when we get here, sometimes we, it gets out of our remembrance. So we're going to start with the gospel according to John. And we're going to go gospel to gospel. It's going to go back and forth a little bit. But the first one, <coughs> the gospel according to John, chapter 4, verse 46. And once more he visited Cana in Galilee, and when he tur- where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son laid sick in Capernaum. And when he had heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, he went to him and begged to him, Come and heal my son who is close to death. And he turned and said, Unless these people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, You will never believe. And the royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50, Jesus said, Go, your son will live. And the man took him at his word and departed. And when he was still on his way, the servants met him with the news that the boy was living. And when they inquired as to when time that the son got better, 
They said to him, yesterday afternoon, about one, the fever left him. So it's specific. It was very specific, right? It was not, well, you know, it was when Jesus spoke it in to existence, it happened. It happened right then, all right? Um, uh, Gospel according to Mark. And Mark's got a couple in a row. Um, we could start with uh, chapter 1, verse 21. And when they went to Capernaum, when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he had taught them the one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered, Be quiet and come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out at a shriek. And the people were <clears throat> so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about this spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. See, that's what happens, right? When God shows up, people start to talk. But that kind of works in the favor, right? Because if, if, if faith comes by hearing, and when the miracle happens, people start to talk about it, doesn't that create more faith? Unfortunately, a lot of times we won't see a miracle or have a miracle happen, and then we have a, that moment where the cat's got our tongue. That it's really hard to talk about. And a lot of times it's because it's an emotional thing or it, or it feels like it's personal. But man, it's a really good witness. Um, staying in the Gospel of Mark. <coughs> um, still 1.29. So, so we just keep reading. And as soon as they left the synagogue, they went to, with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. And Simon's mother-in-law, or Peter's mother-in-law, was in bed with a fever. And they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her and took her hand and helped her up. And the fever left her, and she began to wait on him. So, I mean, he, did, he just walked in and grabbed her and said, All right, get out of bed. Let's go. It's time to get up. Over and over and over and over. Um, 29. It's actually 40, but I want to go to. So turn to the gospel according to Luke. And like I said, there's is bunches of them. But we need to hear them. We need to hear the stories. That faith comes by hearing. Granada used to say, you can't have faith to be healed of something if you can't have faith to, what did he say, 10 cent worth of faith. Right, Aunt Linda? We talked about that this morning. Can't have 10 cent worth of faith. We, we got to build that muscle up. Faith comes by hearing and, and meditating on God's word. <clears throat> um, Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verse 12. And while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face <clears throat> to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? And this is one of my favorites. Because I feel like we have this same conversation right now. Right? Today. If you're willing, Lord, can you heal me? If you're willing, Lord... Can you please bless me? If you're willing, can you please help me? If he's willing. And Jesus answered, 
Oh, if you, at 13, and Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. <clears throat> and Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Jesus was trying to keep the, the crowds down, right? He, he says, I'm, I'm here to preach the gospel. I'm here, to, I'm here to preach the good news. He had a slate of things he had to get done. And every time he healed somebody, the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And they started going crazy trying to get people in contact with him. And Jesus was still trying to be about his agenda, right? He, did he come to heal the sick? Yes. But he had to preach the gospel. He had to lay out the groundwork for salvation. He had to do it. <clears throat> um, 15, yet the news about him spread all the more. And so the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. <clears throat> right? And Jesus trying to get to where we can get them straight. <clears throat> Which one was that? 12. Um, 17. On the day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, they came from every village of Galilee, from Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was there to heal the sick. And some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him in the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they find out, could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered his mat through the tiles and the ceiling into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your, fr your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, Why are you thinking these things <clears throat> in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them and took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and praised God. And they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Every time, every time somebody presented himself to Jesus when they were sick, he healed them. Every time. I mean, are you willing? Yes, I'm willing. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> could y'all imagine like right here? I mean, the crowd's not near big enough to prohibit anybody from coming in. But let's just pretend like they were standing against the walls. Did somebody cut a hole in the roof and put somebody down on the floor? Can you imagine the sight of that? As he was standing there teaching, he was like, oh, wait a minute. Excuse me. And as they lowered him down to the floor, can you imagine the fate that took to tote the crippled guy up onto the roof? I mean, he can't walk. What would happen if they, I mean, oh, oh, sorry, Bill. Get back up, buddy. We're going to take you back on the roof. I mean, y'all been on the roof? I mean, this is probably a well-built roof, right? It was so easily disassembled that they let the mat down through it. What faith? Why? Because they kept hearing and hearing and hearing of all of these miraculous healings and all these times that Jesus had touched people and healed them. And what did they say? <clears throat> we want some of that. <clears throat> Through the roof. That was what my note said. Through the roof. 
not through the roof that way. It was through the roof this way. All right, Gospel according to John. <clears throat> every time somebody, you know, every time somebody gets sick or something happens, people say, I need healing scriptures. And I go to 1 Peter 2.24 and Romans 10.9 and 10, and, and I think about it. But man, we really, I really, I, we got to do a better job of talking about the lady with the issue of blood, the, the ten lepers, the, the, the guy that got let through the ceiling, all the people we're talking about. You want to hear what God, what God does? He shows up and heals. Uh, Gospel according to John 5. <clears throat> um, we'll start with one. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. And it's surrounded by five covered colonnades. <clears throat> and here a great number of the disabled. <clears throat> People used to lie in the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. And the one who had been there, <clears throat> an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. And Jesus said, do you want to get, in the, do you want to get well? Now, that's a pretty odd question, isn't it? Do you, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And his answer, he didn't really answer. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down in front of me. I'm sorry, did you want to get well? And Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. He didn't answer the question, but he got what he was looking for, I think. 38 years he had been laying beside the pool. 38 years. Man, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty tough. <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, gospel according to Luke. Oh. <clears throat> I mean, I know this sounds like the same story over and over, but it ain't. It's God showing up in different people's lives in different ways, helping different folks, come, overcoming different things. Um, Gospel according to Luke chapter 6, verse 6. And on another Sabbath, when he went into the synagogue and was teaching, a man whose right hand was shriveled, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. <gasps> heal on the Sabbath? To do God's work on the Sabbath? How dare he? I can't believe it. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. And he got up and stood there with, <clears throat> with the shriveled hand. Oh, he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or destroy it? He looked around at all of them and said, to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began discussing ways with one another that they might do <clears throat> what they might do to Jesus. Furious. I can't believe you healed that man in church. I can't believe you did something on Sunday for the betterment of the kingdom. How many times he just showed up and healed them. He laid hands on them and healed them. He told them to do something and they were healed. Over and over 
and over. And if faith comes by hearing, we need to hear these 35 stories. I'm not going to read all 35. I can't make it. Over and over and over. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm not crippled. I don't have a hand that's not formed. I don't have the things that these people have. We don't have leprosy. We'll get to you in a minute. Just keep coming. Um, this, this one ought to do it. <clears throat> Gospel according to Luke. <clears throat> Chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with them. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And the large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, do not cry. Then he went up <clears throat> and touched the buyer where they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he, he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. And the news about Jesus spread throughout all of Judea and the surrounding country. The kid was dead. Not only was he dead, they were toting him out to bury him. He wasn't dead for just a minute. He done told everybody he was dead. Everybody done got in no go. Yeah, little Billy is dead. We're going to have a funeral at 3 o'clock. It happened to be that they walked into the creator of the universe, and his heart went out to her, and he walked up and healed him. I don't know what other thing you have to overcome that passes death. If you have something greater than death, then you need to overcome. I have never heard that before. I mean, I know some of, you know, y'all might have like tough in-laws or mother-in-law is really bad or your job's tough. But I mean, death should be pretty high up on the list. <clears throat> Mr. Darrell's still recovering, but he says he died twice, right? Mr. Darrell said he died twice. He died once in Orangeburg and on the table before I prayed for him in the hospital in Orangeburg. And he died once in Trident. Twice. That's what he said. He died twice. But God healed him. I mean, I mean, y'all heard that story, right? His blood pressure was 42 over 14. When I got to Orangeburg Medical, he was gray. He wasn't, I mean, Mr. Darrell's not gray. He's just, you know, nice caramel tan, whatever, that, that Crystal and all of them have that beautiful skin. I don't, I don't have that. Uh, I'm, yeah. He was gray. The doctors were yelling and screaming and beating on him and yelling all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> and back up just a little bit, I was on a job site in North Charleston. I talked to Crystal on the phone, said something happened with Daddy. I was supposed to go eat lunch with Mama, but she, they told her she needs to go see him. And I'm already on the way with Riley. Riley was less than six weeks old. And you want to eat lunch with me? And I'm like, yep, I'll meet you for lunch. And I hung up the phone, and I started praying. Now, this is 2007, right? It's not, I'm not the pastor I'm not the associate pastor. I'm just me. And I'm not even a good version of me. I'm the best version of me at the time, which was not very good. And I started praying. And God audibly said to me, if you don't go lay hands on him, he is going to die. <clears throat> that, is a, that is a tough, um, that's tough. 
So I met Crystal in, in, in uh, Somerville at the head station right there before you get on the interstate before all that went crazy. And I drove 100 from, from and I don't know why, like God was going to let me get there like two minutes late. I mean, he told me if you go lay hands on him, I was driving there. But I drove 100. I walked in the door at Orangeburg Medical. I've never been in Orangeburg Medical. I, I have no idea. I walked in the door through the through the main door, through the next door, down the hallway, took a left, to the room. Didn't stop and speak to anybody. Didn't ask anybody for directions. Didn't ask him if they had a Daryl Rourke. Walked to his room. When I walked to his room, Miss Rourke was standing at the door crying. They were beating on him, <clears throat> yelling and screaming. You know, all the stuff that ER people do. And I said, excuse me, I need to pray for him or he's going to die. And they were taken back by that. They were like, are you crazy? Why, why are you here? Who are you? I walked in and laid hands on him. His blood pressure was 42 over 14. Immediately, his blood pressure went to like 100 over 45. Not great. Heck of a lot better than 42 over 14. They flew him via helicopter medevac from Archburg Medical to <clears throat> Trident in North Charleston. When he landed in North Charleston, they wheeled him in. We saw him. Craig saw him wheel him in. They went. They took me and Crystal and Miss Rourke into this little room. No windows. One door. Two chairs. Not a good place to be if you've ever been in that room. It's not good news coming in this room. And the doctor said, he's going to die. And if he doesn't die, he's going to have to have a transplant. And it's going to be, he will never be the same. If we can somehow pull this off. He will never be the same. He will never be healthy enough to go back to work, to pick up his grandkids, to do anything normal that he used to do. And I stopped him. Now, this guy is a heart surgeon, a medical professional. And he had told us that the heart, what is it, Crystal? The reflection, the deflection, whatever number that is, they measure your heart, how well it responds. It was eight. It never gets better than medically, never gets better than 50% better than what it is. So the maximum number he can ever have is 12. It's 8. Less than 15, you have a transplant. Less than 25, you have a pacemaker. Less than 25, you have a, 35, you have a defibrillator. That might have them backwards. Anyway, it never gets better than 50%. I interrupted the medical doctor and said, Sir, I appreciate what you're saying. I understand scientifically you are tied to a set of rules. I get it. And I'm not being disrespectful. But we are people of faith, and I prayed for him, and he is going to be healed, and he is going to walk out of this hospital. And the guy laughed and turned around and walked out of the room. Didn't say, kiss my grits, good luck, hope everything works out. Out the door he went. For the next seven days, Daryl was um, medically induced coma. They tried to wake him up a couple times. He didn't wake up a couple times. Every day. I would go into ICU, and I would lay hands on him, and I would pray for him. And I would ask the ICU nurse, what's the most concerning thing in this situation? What number is the worst? And the first couple days in ICU, I don't know if y'all ever been there, they're not real nice to you. Because they don't want to know your name, they don't want to know your story, because they see what they see, and they know this is going to be short-lived. And she said his blood oxygen level is like 38, and that's bad. Well, okay. So I laid hands on him and started praying for him about his blood oxygen. She's still right here around me. Next time I came in, his blood oxygen level was like 87 or 88. Okay, what's next? And she said, you think 
You affected that. And I said, no, ma'am, God did. Now, can you tell me what's next? Well, his blood oxygen level went up, but he still has no quality of oxygen. Fine, I don't know what that means, but God does, and I'm praying for him. <clears throat> Long story short, it's not going to be short. He woke up on Tuesday. It was Monday when he went in. And, and he asked Crystal, what day is it? And he said, Tuesday. Oh, cool, one day. No, Daddy, next Tuesday for you. It's next Tuesday. You went on Monday. It's next Tuesday. And in the middle of that, when the guy laughed, I, I skipped a step. When the guy laughed and walked out, I, I turned around and told Crystal, the Bible says that what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to have. So you better be real careful what you say over the next seven days. Well, I didn't know it was seven days, but until he's able to speak for himself. Because Daryl can't speak for himself. He's in a coma. But you two, you two have control of the situation. You have the authority. <coughs> and whatever you say, with, believe in your heart and say with your mouth, you're going to have. So it's the Bambi rule. Y'all heard me talk about the Bambi rule, right? If you can't say nothing nice, you don't say nothing at all. Keep your mouth shut. Seven days later, they wake Daryl up and they tell him they, when he, he's, he's going to make it, but he's going to have to have a transplant. And so they run the test again. Never gets better than 50%. Everybody know what that is? Eight plus 50% of eight is 12. That's the best it gets. It was 34. It's scientifically impossible. And Dr. Hanger told him, no, you, oh, I shouldn't have said his name. I'm sorry. The doctor said, you're still going to have to have a defibrillator or a pacemaker or whatever. And I turned around and looked at Daryl standing in the room with the doctor. I would get a second opinion because he's already told me it never gets better than 50% of what it was. The best number you possibly could have is 12. And if it's 37 or 34, it was 34 then, I wouldn't let him cut my chest open and give me something that I didn't need. When he went to do his knee surgery, they did the test again. They did the test again that two weeks ago. Anybody want to guess what it is? It's 50. It's 50. Riley's 15 years old. She was less than six months old when it happened. If y'all didn't know the story, you would never think that Daryl Rourke was sick a day in his life. He is a picture of health. He laid dead on the table. He didn't have the faith or the understanding or the knowledge that took place, but he had a stubborn son-in-law who was willing to be obedient and to, and to do what God told him to do. We have to have, we have to step up to the plate and do. Because if I'd have played that off or said, oh, that wasn't real or I don't really make that much of a difference or I don't have any authority over it or I'm not the pastor, what would have happened? Well, I, I think the story could have been different. I, I mean, I, I hate to think about it, but it, it could have been different. But what happened is, is, is I was obedient and God showed up and healed him. And, and, and man, was it a testimony. And his family saw it and that doctor saw it, whether he wants to admit it or not. He can tell me all he wants to about the scientific model of what it's supposed to be and what the book says. But he can't say that. I've never seen it do that before. Because I guarantee you on December the 7th in 2007, he watched that number go from 8 to 30 whatever. And last week it was 50. He can't say God doesn't do. Now he can think that it was happenstance or maybe they misread something or 
whatever. But I guarantee you, God is still in the miracle business. <coughs> I didn't get finished with near them scriptures. Every time God was presented with an opportunity, Jesus was presented with an opportunity to heal somebody, he healed that person plus other people around him. He cast out demons. He raised people from the dead. The, the blind saw. The deaf heard. The lame walked. The guy with his hand was restored. The leper was cleansed. There is not anything that was created that is not subject to the power of God. There is no sickness and disease. There is no circumstance. There is no nothing. And if faith comes by hearing, <coughs> today you have heard. Or I hope you have. As, as good a voice as I got. But I'm here to tell you God is still in the miracle business. And he ain't stopped. It didn't stop last week. It ain't going to stop next week. He healed all of these folks. 35 times. The governor's son. Unclean spirit. Peter's mother-in-law, the guy with leprosy, I am willing, through the roof, the guy at the pool, stretch out your hand, the widow's son, the centurion's son, the two demon-possessed men, the woman with the issue of blood, the little girl, the two blind men, the ten lepers, the guy that was mute, the guy that was deaf, he healed every one of them. Everyone. He didn't pray for them and give them well wishes and offer them off. He laid his hands on them, and they were healed by the power of God. That is our job. We are supposed to be about his business. <coughs> when I laid hands on Daryl Rourke, I wasn't no nothing. I didn't, do, I didn't have any authority, any association with any. I was a member of the church. That was the extent of my ordeal. And I came to church pretty regular. And I listened to Stump preach pretty regular. That's it. I was not separated out. That was God. <clears throat> One more, and then we got to be done. <clears throat> um, Mimi Rhoda and Uncle Garen, <clears throat> after they moved to Beaver Dam, they still had the house in Myrtle Beach. They didn't have any little grandkids at the time, and you could tell. And they let us go stay at the house. But they had this... Um, Coffee table, and it had like long, pointy, pointy, pointy corners. Like, man, like this big of corners that stuck off of it. And uh, we were over there. The twins were about mm, two and a little bit, two and a half. Crystal might have been pregnant with Riley. And they were running around. And y'all ever had two-year-olds that run around? I watched them yesterday at Philip's kid's birthday party. Whoo, praise God, I don't got two-year-olds anymore. Anyway, they run around that table, and we played defense the whole time we were there. We tried to keep them off the table. Well, you know, they're little kids. And Caroline fell, and she landed just as square and as perfect on the corner of that coffee table, and it hit her right below the nose, and it busted it. And she screamed a blood-curdling scream that I can't forget. And I scooped her up in my arms, and, and this is where Crystal got really bad on me real quick, is I put my hand on her mouth. Now, I didn't put my hand on her mouth to stop her from screaming. I put her hand on my mouth because I was laying hands on her to pray for her. And so I have my hand over her mouth, and she is screaming worse now because I'm trying to muffle her. And I'm praying in tongues, and she is screaming, and Crystal is screaming at me, and Savannah's crying for no apparent reason other than it seemed like the thing to do. And I'm praying, praying for this kid, and Crystal's just, I mean, unglued. 
And she's like trying to snatch the kid away from me because she doesn't understand what's taking place. And so I finally hand her Caroline. You know, she's like this big. And I, praise God, I had blood in the palm of my hand. It was her blood. And she had a little tiny red mark on the tip of her lip. And there was not an open wound. There was not a wound in her mouth. There was not a wound in her teeth. Her, her mouth was not busted. She was completely healed. Now, if you thought Krista was not okay with me when I was holding my hand over her mouth, she looked like she saw a ghost. That was the first time she had ever seen God show up. And that kid was healed instantly. Blood in my hand, no blood on the child, no blood on her face, no blood in her mouth. And Crystal was like, mm, 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 mm. I don't know what you just did, but I'm not okay with it. God showed up and healed that child. That had nothing to do with me other than I was the dummy standing there with my hand over her mouth. We in this church have seen miracle after miracle after miracle of people getting healed. We have to be the hands and feet of Christ. <clears throat> when we show up, we're going to lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. That's what we're supposed to do. <clears throat> Man, I went way past. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your healing, Father, that you've given it to us. Father, we pray for the boldness to step forward and lay hands on the sick. And we give you the praise and honor and the glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.